That day, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting there eating my sneakers and popcorn, watching the game. We in the middle of the heated rival with the Kings and the Lakers. And I'm like, ooh, we about to go down here and beat them. I could just taste the trophy. I'm like, oh, we going to win this. This is ours. Y'all had your chances. But all of a sudden, that all happened. And I just remember dropping my popcorn, wrapping my purse around my hand, and I just took off running, you know, and it just... Wait, did you try to hit him with a Louis? Oh, I swung that thing, (laughs) and I was so mad because my sneakers, I had two sneakers. I ate one, the other one was in my bag. It flew up in the air, and somebody got it, but they, as soon as I swung back to hit him, they picked me up, his teammates, and swung me around, so I couldn't do nothing, but oh, they was about to beat me down that day. (laughs) I can honestly say that the first question I have for my guest today, I have never, ever, never, ever, ever, ever asked any guest this in my life. Like, I don't even go there. I don't want to know stuff like this about the people I interview. But in this case, I just absolutely had to go there. But I knew she wouldn't mind because if it's anything she excels at is being straight up no chaser she has a phd in keeping it real she stars on the hit reality show basketball wives she's an author a podcaster a plain businesswoman but back in the day when her husband doug christie played in the nba jackie christie was portrayed as somewhere in between the big bad wolf and cruella Deville. But I guarantee whatever you may have thought about Jackie Christie, you were probably wrong. So she's here to set the record straight, speak her truth, and of course, keep it 100. I'm about to get messy with Jackie Christie. Up next on Jamel Hill is Unbothered. Jackie Christie, I have been binge listening slash watching your podcast, The Jackie Christie Project, and mm-hmm. you come off the top rope on people. And I don't mean that in like a negative way. Like uh-huh. you get right down to, to the it. heart yeah. of the matter. So <laughs> because you don't pull any punches, I got to come off the top rope on you because okay. there was something that was said on one of your podcasts or with an interview Ooh. that I had to ask, is this true? Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard you say it, but I was like, nah. She had to be messing around. She (laughs) had to be messing around. So, and I can say I've never started any podcast this way uh, so far in the young history of Jamel Hill is Unbothered. Is it still true you've never given Doug oral sex? I never. Oh, my God. You knew I was going there, right? Well, you know, I I, got to take that back. I've done it, but like. Let me test it a sec, like maybe a half of a second, a millisecond, and I just, I like just I don't. It. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like it. Really? My, I mean, my husband, that's different. I would do anything with him and for him, but I've never got into that. And I hear ladies talk about it, and I'm like, how come y'all like that? But they're like, Jackie, you're missing out. Mm. I just, I guess I do other stuff. So, well, at least from what I was able to glean off this, because yeah. I had to do a deep dive in this yeah. topic. <laughs> I was like, not all about how to do it or anything. So, you know, I would tell people to get their mind in the gutter, but your mind's in the gutter if you're listening to this right now. But um, no, I just had to like go and look at some other interviews. And at least from what I can glean again is it's not about you just not liking to give it. You don't like to receive it either. Yeah, I'm not into the oral sex part of it. I I see everybody is shocked all around the world, Jamel. I've never met one single woman that's Mm -hmm. like, I don't like oral sex. I just 
don't. I don't know what it is. And maybe it's, I don't know, maybe I was shy growing up. And then when I married Doug, it was funny because the first probably three months into our marriage, he was like, why are you wearing a onesie? You know, with the feet, the whole everything. He's like, you ain't got to walk around in that. We was going on a cruise and we stayed in a hotel overnight in Miami. And he's like, it's 100 degrees outside and you in a onesie. And he's like, just be free. I'm like, I am, but I am free. It took a while. And now he can't keep me in clothes. I'm all around the house cooking, <laughs> just eating, butt naked, everything. But when our kids ain't there, it's all, oh, yeah. It's oh, all. my goodness. So um, <laughs> when you told him that you weren't into it on either end in terms of giving and receiving, uh, how did he receive that information? You know, to be honest with you, and this is the first time I've ever had that question asked, I think he was okay with it only because he loves me. So he's like, that's fine. That's cool. But I will say, sometimes it does make me feel, you know, like, am I not giving him something that he's missing as a man? Because I, I hear and, you know, doing these interviews and talking to people, men love it. But I've asked him and he's like, no, babe, we're good. You're okay. So he's he's either a fantastic man or he loves me to death or he's keeping it inside and I better figure it out soon. Yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, you're so, uh, particularly when it comes to talking about sex, like you're very transparent, you're very open. So when I read that, I was like, no, this can't be true. It's like, Jamel, <laughs> let me turn the tables on you a little bit, uh -huh. not to get too personal, but is that we something that there. you do? Oh, yeah. You do? Oh, 100%. what's wrong with me? Is it something wrong with me? You know, it's, I think some of it, early on in my um, sexual history, I should uh -huh. say, there were, everybody, every woman ran into the dude that swore they didn't do it, okay. right? And so, like, nah, I don't go down, I don't, you know, this and that. And then eventually it became a lie, right? Oh. Like then, then they were all like, <laughs> "All right, it, yeah." That's that's kind of what it was. So early on, I there, I, you know, I dated people who were like, "No, nah, I don't do it." But it, eventually, in the relationship that they did, I had the same hang up too as a UD as okay. a young woman. I was like, "No," but mostly because there was a perception about the type of woman who did it, okay. right? Like, "Oh, you a freak, you a hoe if you like to go down on dudes or if you go down on anybody," and then. As you get older and you get more comfortable in your own skin, yeah. that's like less of an issue. But you, it seems like with you, you just you just physically don't like something about it. Yeah, that it just I think it's because really... I don't know how to do it. Either. Okay, and I hear these girls and they like, oh, girl, I have them on the moon and they do this <laughs> and that. So I think I'm just like. I can't do that. And some of them say, you got to put it down your throat. And I have a really serious gag reflex. Like I have, I'm just like, I, I just think I would make a fool of myself. So I think I'm more scared that I wouldn't do it right too. On top of, it just doesn't seem to be, I don't know. I'm like, what do you get out of it? Something me? tells me Doug wouldn't mind you practicing. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to just throw it out there. Something tells me he wouldn't mind you practicing, but. I should practice. Huh? I, I should. You should practice. I should. That's the, look, everybody gets better with reps. That's just the way it goes. You think, okay. Yeah, I'll give you um, a, a, a slight pro tip is that. Uh, if you were worried about the gag reflex thing, mm -hmm. um, so I had <laughs> one of my bachelorette get-togethers. Uh, oh. There was a woman who sold sexual enhancement, okay, uh, you know, toys and creams and all oh, these yeah. other kind of stuff. And one of the things she had was something that actually relaxes your throat muscles. That you just put some on your tongue, relaxes your throat muscles, and allows for that to 
the whole deep breath, deep throating oh, thing wow. to, to be an easier process. I will give you the name of the product okay. afterwards. I'll be honest, I'm, I might be scared to take it, but I, I want the name of it. Yeah, I would definitely I'll, want You may name. not ever, but what? in case, if you're worried about that part of it, okay. trust me when I say what? it is quite effective. So okay. I know my husband's listening to this right now, like for real, <laughs> for real, babe, we just doing all this. I just got on my honeymoon. So I have to take of this podcast. So maybe I'm feeling a little frisky, I guess, talking about it. <laughs> I love it. Um, um, but, you know, you and Doug, you guys, uh, 21 years or 20? 20? We're on 25 now. This 25? coming July, it'll be 25 oh, years. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Okay. It, Still getting married every year. Every year. Every year. Yeah. All right. So you got to be doing something big for 25. Oh, my God. It's going to be huge. Okay. I don't know exactly what yet. I'm already starting to plan. We do that early on. And we switch off. So every other year, it's somebody else's. And this year is my year. So I want to plan something that's just going to blow his socks off. Okay. Um, now, remember, and I think for a lot of people... Their introduction to you was through this relationship, and you um, you still consider the uh, you generate still a lot of press about you know you guys' relationship. But oh, yeah. really, when I sort of first came across you, it was like you know uh, I think the Washington Post did a piece on you, like oh, yeah. everybody, because yeah. the the sort of your love story was um, I guess a bit unusual to a lot of people. That's um, right. So now that you're t- about to be twenty five in. Um, do you look back now and say, you know, a lot of people said, oh, I could never be in a relationship like that. I could never be with somebody who did this or mm-hmm. whatever. Do you feel vindicated because you, they can say what they want to say, but 25 says it all. There it is, Jay. And I love that, um, question. Yes, definitely. I feel we're not only vindicated, but I see that, you know, being the pioneers of a lot, like with the league, you know, with the NBA, there wasn't guys taking their wives on the road, this and that. Now you see it everywhere. And I love it. We didn't set out to try to change rules, break rules, nothing. That's just how we did it. I didn't even know when we got married, I said, okay, Doug, you're going back to Toronto um, in a couple weeks. So we'll be here. And then how do you, how often do you want us to come down there? And he's like, what you talking about? You going with me. So it's, that's how green I was to the whole sports world and all of that so when we got there and I would go on the road because he would say babe you want Toronto we was cold it was dark there we had never been out of the country so it was me and my baby and he was like well if you guys want to come to New York we're playing here we're playing there you're welcome to come so we'd get me a ticket I'd fly there when the team heard about Isaiah Thomas and all them, they was like no we'd love to have Jackie she could just come with us why is she flying separate so that's how that all started so yeah I think it changed a lot and nowadays, I, I it's funny, whenever I get an email from like a New York um, post or somebody like that saying we're so sorry or they apologize, it makes me feel good. Yeah, because uh, I think the sort of the perception was that, you know, you were overly jealous, yes. that you were too involved. And I guess to give people a little backstory in case they aren't, um, you know, familiar. So uh, you and Doug, you had hand signals when he played during mm-hmm. the game um, mm-hmm. that you guys would do repeatedly. Because I think I saw one story where you guys might have done it 60 times, right? <laughs> It was a, yeah. it was like a, I love you easy sixty easy yeah. sixty times yeah. right yeah. and then there was um, you know sometimes you followed the team bus mm-hmm. right yeah and the one that was always interesting to me because I feel like this got a little mischaracterized about you and allowing Doug to speak to female reporters yeah so explain what the real story was behind that um, in Toronto back then they was the reporters would be able to go in the locker room right after the game like everywhere I was I didn't have any problem with it at all there was one particular young lady that would go in there and she would not harass the guys but go in there when they were just you know taking off their clothes and changing and it wasn't just you said her intentions were not yeah her, we felt and you know once he told me he was like I don't know why she does that a couple of the people kind of felt in 
and I, I won't say their names, but they kind of was uncomfortable because it was like, give us a second to at least put a towel on, but she would go in so fast. So when they changed the rule, that had nothing to do with me, with you got to give them 10 minutes to get settled, and then they don't mind. A lot of guys don't mind. They can have his shirt off. Doug didn't have no problem with that. It was the outwardly flirtatious and disrespect she was showing. He was a newly married man, and he just said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just, instead of saying anything, I'm going to go in the bathroom and change. So he did that. Once she got wind of that, she started this rumor that I wouldn't let him talk to female reporters, and that wasn't it, and I said it over and over again. So then we do a book signing one day, or it was something he was doing, basketballs and our book or something, and I was holding a baby, and she came to the thing and got really aggressive when I almost dropped my daughter. He got really mad and was like, you're going to have to back up. So that just kept continuing on with this rumor that Jackie's aggressive and she makes women stay back, and it wasn't like that. So, you know, eventually she apologized too. Oh, did she? Okay, all right. Well, that's good to know because uh, it seemed, and, you know, I don't know if if, uh, Doug took a lot of criticism, you know, for that, but did... Did with you being perceived as being this like overly involved, overly jealous wife, and I'm sure other guys in the league looking at him like, oh, you soft, you letting your woman doing this to this. Did, did that ever that noise ever impact your relationship? It did, it did, and it, it it didn't impact us in a bad way. It just made him feel bad. All Doug wanted to do was play and play his heart out, and he's like, I don't understand. Now that I'm married, it seemed like you know certain people are making it their business to try to either sabotage our name or come at us, and he really didn't even know how to handle it. So we just we just kept doing us. No matter what it was, I'd go to the games. Certain people could, did not like the fact that now he's making me his queen, so to speak. And I wasn't even asking for that. I just want to love my husband and watch him play basketball. I was learning the world of sports and, you know, I'm just there to support him. That's all. So yeah, it, it affected him and it hurt his feelings. And he was like, you know, he's not the type to be confrontational, but he will speak if, if it gets out of hand. And so his whole thing was trying to be respectful of not just those people, even though they were disrespectful to us, but the league in general. So he didn't say much. We just decided we're going to take the high road and ignore it. And the rumor just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the more I traveled and it just got out of hand. And I actually was, I got along with all the GMs, all the coaches, all the players, everybody. I'm just there to support the team. I'm not there to cause no friction. Mm. Now, how many privately, like how many other wives or, you know, Mm -hmm. girlfriends would say like, I kind of like how y'all do things, but they maybe weren't, maybe they were afraid to publicly say that. All of them. Mm. I think there was probably one or two that felt, and we kind of got into it and had a little words. Eventually, I won't say their names. It's funny because we laugh, we all laugh about it now. But one or two that felt, why are you going with him on the road? And why are you, you know, it kind of, you got to understand it looks kind of like, you know, you're scared he going to do something. No, it's not that at all. We are best friends. We go on the road. We watch movies. We have fun. Then when my mom moved with us and my daughter would be there because she got in school and, you know, my mom would go up to the school. She was the nanny. I would go with Doug and we could play games. It's a lonely place out out there on the road you know they're sitting in the room or they're going out with the other guys having some drinks whatever Doug don't drink so we could watch movies we could have sex we could talk about our new house we building we could you know think do think of things for Christmas we could you know look at our foundations all of that so it was a time away from mommy and daddy is basically what it was so they you know they they liked it but I think some of them was also afraid when they saw the media scrutiny from around the world. Oh my God, they're saying that this is bad. This is crazy, Jackie. And it's not, it's beautiful. We want this type of thing. So, well, I will, I mean, as, cause around the time where, um, you all were like really in the news, your relationship is like, I was just kind of starting out as a, as a sports reporter and covering a little bit of the NBA. And it was very unusual because you did not see, yes. you saw wives at the game, but yes. you never saw them on the road, right. like at all. 
or even I guess maybe now because of social media, like you mm-hmm. see a LeBron call his wife his queen and yes. like showing outward affection. You almost do you almost <laughs> crazily feel like you were the pioneer, you and Doug were the pioneer of NBA players like yeah. actually acting like they're married. <laughs> I really do, and I love it. I love to see it. Curry and you know, Steph Curry and his and it's funny because my our kids would play with them sometimes, like in Toronto, because they their dad, they always playing with Doug. And so we'd all go over there together for Halloween and I laugh. I still got pictures of them all playing video games and stuff together and to see now that they came into a world that they don't have to be embarrassed or afraid and they can show their love and affection for their wives. At the end of the day, they're still basketball players. They belong to the fans as much as they belong to their family. But most importantly, these are athletes and they have a right to love their family and want their family with them. And that's something we decided we was never going to change. As long as the team allowed me to be there, I'd be there. I'll tell you something that's an exclusive, Jamal. Oh, drop me some tea now. Come on now. (laughs) Doug was told one. And it was getting towards before he retired from a team that we love you. Um, they they called and they were like, um, Doug, we want to come up. His agent said, OK, we got some teams want to come talk to you, blah, blah. They came to our home in Bellevue. He, I said they said Jackie probably shouldn't be there when they come. I was like, OK, I'll go to the gym. No problem, honey. You just go ahead and talk to him, whatever, because usually I was in all the meetings. I was at the gym working out, and I remember calling him off the treadmill when I got off the treadmill, and I said, how'd the meeting go? And he said it was good, and then he just, he broke into tears. And I said, what's wrong? I thought he was happy. And I said, what's the matter? And he goes, they said something to me, and he goes, I I just want to play the game I love, and I'm not going to be able to. And I said, why? And he goes, they want me. And I said, well, that's great, honey. You know, I'm excited. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm on my way home. And he goes, they said I could play, and they want me, but you couldn't come to the city. You couldn't be there. You couldn't come to any like in games the whole, in the whole thing. What? They said, if you if we sign you, Jackie, and nothing against her, we think she's a great wife and all that for you. We don't know her, but we can't have her in the same city at the same time we're playing. That's one of the things that would be in his contract. And he told them, absolutely not. That will never happen. And I'm thinking, what, what did I do? Like, all I was doing was going with him and supporting him. That was it. They said that he couldn't, if he signed, then I couldn't be there. So what team was it? <laughs> Girl, you're like uh, it was. It was a it was a huge team, and it was the team that he dreamed of playing for. I'll say that. Okay, Eastern I don't know West, how Eastern, he would feel. Eastern Conference or Western Conference. It was it was Western. It was Western Conference, and it was his okay. dream team. And okay. he was so excited. And we, I remember he cooked because Doug can cook very well. That's something else a lot of people don't know. He made a whole spread. Like you know, all his friends came over. It was a big deal. We waited. It was like a th- you know two week process for this huge meeting. All the GMs came. Everybody came. This is that big meeting that they had all been wanting to consummate. And I have nothing to do with it. And now you guys say we're going to do it. But that's the stipulation in order for us to sign you. And he had to turn it down. So we've been through hell with that whole system. And I'm just happy now that he's able to still do what he loves. And that's commentating and be a part of the sport that he loves. And it is what it is. Uh, and then that's why it's in a way, it's kind of ironic that you're on basketball. Wise, right. Because right? <laughs> right. um, I could only imagine what it might be like if you were if uh, he were still playing and you were on this show. Oh, but what what led you? Because uh, you've been on now eight seasons. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eight seasons, eight seasons. Right. So what was it that convinced you that this was a show you wanted to do? 
You know what? I did back. We did uh, the Christie's Committed first. Mm-hmm. We got I remember that. You yeah. Know, yeah. <laughs> Maurice Thomas and them reached out to us and said, you guys want to do it? We were like, ah. And they were like, this will give you guys a chance to put your your own word out there of, you know, why you do what you do, how you travel with Doug. So we did that show first and then we were going to renew it. And they reached out to me for another show called Basketball. It was Basketball something. I don't know what it was. It wasn't Basketball Wives. And Dick Clark Productions was doing it. They flew me in, Jimmy Jackson's wife, a bunch of different people. Doug's back was hurting at the time, He had, and he was stayed in the limo. So I went into the big meeting. They loved it. It was turned up in the meeting. We were going to do that show, and then three weeks before we were to start fuming, they decided they weren't going to do it. I don't know what happened with that group. So then I got a call from the VH1 group that said, we're doing a show. Are you familiar with Miami? I said, no, I haven't watched that show. I heard of it, but I hadn't watched Shawnee and them. I, you know, and they were like, well, we're going to do a spinoff of it, and we need you to lead it, if you would. And I said, well, I don't know how many, you know, and they was like, it's five women. And so I talked to Doug, and I said, it might be kind of fun, actually. You know, since it's other women, they're not going to focus just on me. And the rest is history. I did it, and girl. <laughs> I know. We're going to get into season eight, trust me. Um so I guess when you did it, I, in your mind, did you ever think that you would be on it this long? No. When I did it the first season, I was thinking, oh, what did I sign up for? We was in Hawaii. Them women turned against me. I said, oh, Lord, I will meet you back in L.A. and we're going to handle this. And then I remember going to that meeting that night and they were all dressed in black. Like, you know, we're in this. You know why we're wearing black? No. Why are you in black? Oh, because we were getting ready for your funeral. That's when I knew, okay, this is not a game, and this is some serious stuff, and uh, okay, enough is enough. And I think that was a turning point in me, just being like, okay, I'm not going to, I can't be nice to you guys. Mm. I'm going to have to get the other jacket. So clearly they did not, they were not familiar with what happened in 2002 during that (laughs) Lakers-Kings preseason game where Doug and Rick Fox get into it, and out comes the stands and Jackie Christie, like, about that action. Okay, listen. Jamil, that day, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting there eating my sneakers and popcorn, watching the game. We in the middle of the heated rival with the Kings and the Lakers. And I'm like, ooh, we about to go down here and beat them. I could just taste the trophy. I'm like, oh, we going to win this. This is ours. Y'all had your chances. And I'm sitting there. I think Justin Timberlake was there and some other people. I think he was sitting next to me, in fact. or so, I don't remember. But all of a sudden, that all happened. And I just remember dropping my popcorn, wrapping my purse around my hand. In fact, it was one of these, and I've kept one for luck ever since, and I just took off running, you know, and it just... Wait, did you try to hit him with a Louis? Oh, I swung that thing, (laughs) and I was so mad because my sneakers, I had two sneakers. I ate one, the other one was in my bag. It flew up in the air, and somebody got it, but they, as soon as I swung back to hit him, they picked me up, his teammates, and swung me around, so I couldn't do nothing, but oh... they was about to beat me down that day. <laughs> All I could picture was what in the world. And Doug was, I mean, he was already really in a heated battle with him. And then Shaq and all of them ran up and it was just crazy. <laughs> well, I just, uh, I remember when I saw that purse swing, I was like, see, guys always talk about a ride or die. <laughs> Look, oh, yeah. a ride or die is somebody who will come from the stands mm-hmm. <laughs> in an NBA game like Jackie. These men are three times your size. Right. <laughs> like, what? gonna do okay. listen shoot i was gonna hit him in the knee hit him wherever i had to because he was not gonna mess with my husband i just wanted him to leave him alone like what you already started it on the court doug then already uppercutted you now leave it alone let us go it was horrible i'll never forget the fans was going crazy they was throwing stuff it the whole arena we turned that arena out and i remember them dragging
dragging us to the back. They they took us in the Lakers lock or in the visiting team's locker room, and it was me, Doug, all the security, um, and I think the training guy and one of his other teammates that they was not going to let back out there. I forgot who it was. And the phone start ringing, and Doug's like, hello, Webb, Webb, because Chris didn't go on that trip. So he was at home, motherfucker, brother, my brother. Oh, hell yeah. He was going crazy, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is bananas. It was crazy. I don't even think we flew back with the team. I think they took us separate to the airport, and we caught a different flight or something. <laughs> For security, it was crazy. So did uh, did Doug say, uh, did, what did he say to you? Because you came running out. <laughs> I remember him looking at me and just, he was so mad and angry that they pushed him to that point. And I think he felt bad that he actually had to hit Rick because he would have took the push in and this and that and maybe just threw the ball at him. Doug wasn't really a big fighter, but he was just sitting there. And then once he realized I was standing there and he goes, baby. Did you swing your purse? And then he just laughed a little bit and he hugged me and he was crying because, you know, he was, he was emotional. So he was really upset and he was like, I can't even believe this shit and blah, blah. And I just remembered like, I'm sorry. I hope you ain't mad. He was like, no, no, no. And then the conversation was just crazy because his phone wouldn't stop ringing people from all over. All the other players on the other teams was calling him that he knows and it was bananas. <laughs> well, other than that, um, and I'm going to get back to Basketball Wives in a minute. Like, what do you remember the most about that Lakers-Kings rivalry? Ooh, I remember the energy in those arenas. Jamil, it was like nothing I've ever seen. The loudness, the fact that it was the Kings against the Lakers, but the fans weren't in Sacramento. They weren't mean to the Lakers. They would say things like, you know, uh, beat L.A., beat L.A., but they didn't hate them. L.A.? was a whole different story. Los Angeles don't play about their team. We would be in the bus literally leaving after those games during that rival years, and the, they would be outside the fans hitting the bus, yelling, screaming like rioting. So they would have to have security escorting us up out the tunnels to leave. It was the scariest thing, but I just remember whenever we'd win a game, Total celebration, adulation, all the players, they'd be crying, screaming, laughing, hollering. It'd be loud on the bus. The plane would be rocking. It was so plain. <laughs> when we would lose, they still wouldn't get upset. I think when we got to that point where Robert Ory hit that one shot, that's when the darkness started. And you would see, it would be quieter and somber. And you could tell the players, you know, their heart was yanked out, basically, because they knew a lot of times they weren't getting a fair cause and things like that. So... You, it was a different plane ride home. I'll put it like that. Yeah, I, I can imagine. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. As, as somebody who um, obviously wanted to see the Kings win the title to come that close, I don't know how often you, you think about that, especially because you guys still live in Sacramento. Doug is mm -hmm. doing commentary. And the team has had a lot of ups and downs, mm -hmm. a lot of downs since yes. that era. Yes. So how much does it maybe haunt you guys that you weren't able to do that, especially to find out about Tim Donahue too, yes. on top of that, and the, and the refereeing and the shady refereeing and all that? You know, I would have to say people have reached out to Doug over the years a lot of times. A lot of times he declines the interviews. Sometimes he'll talk about it, but I know for a fact it hurts him. It hurts him to his core. Him and Chris and all those guys, you know, Bobby's still there as well, Peja, Vladi, all of those guys. And, you know, they're brothers. They're, it's a brotherhood. I think it brought the guys closer together, but I do know it hurt him, and I do know it affects Doug. And sometimes when he watches, and like recently, he'll he sent me the clip of the um, referee, and he came out and said, yeah, they were cheated out of that game. He's like, wow. You know, he doesn't know what to say. He knows there's no way to change it, go back, 
get it, you know, make it right. The game is already, it's over. They got it. And he just says things like, this is something that I'll take with me to my grave. Mm. So it's a sad thing. For me, it's sad because I was there when it, they shut it down in Sacramento and it was that one last game. And we was, I was like, wait, what? What do you mean? Because the, the arena just went silent. And all you seen was tears and, you know, players was hollering from their gut because they couldn't believe they got there. And now not only were they cheated before that, now there's no way to even keep going. If they had won that game, I think, and they got to the finals, it would have been a different story. But they didn't. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking like up to Doug onto the court and he just pretty much fell into my arms and we had to like drag him literally out. He laid in the back. He didn't even want to change, Jamil. And usually the players, they'll shower, they'll change. He just wore his sweats, I mean, his shorts and stuff home. He laid in the back seat. He said, you're going to have to drive. I drove. And I just didn't say nothing because I didn't know what to say. And then I think some of the players came over that night and they all got together in the garage. And, you know, they just talked. And Doug had some wine because that's all he drinks. And then they had some beers and stuff. And they were just like, I can't believe this is this is happening. I just let him have his time. It mm. took about three days for it to set in that it was over and you know, we moved on from there. Um, now, getting back to uh, Basketball Wives, how has this show uh, changed your life in good and bad <laughs> ways, maybe? <laughs> you know, I would say in good ways it's changed my life because I've been able to show people a lot more of who I am for taking out the whole argument with the ladies. That's who I am. I, I come from Seattle. I was raised with three brothers and five sisters. I'm going to defend myself. I'm um, third to the youngest. So, you know, I'm a tomboy and I'm, I'll give you the shirt off my back. But one thing I won't do is have you disrespect me or I'm a Leo at the end of the day, too. So I have that passion and energy, but I love everybody. So I think it's shown who I am and people have gotten to see that. They've they've watched the evolution of me now where I'm at with the show. And um, I really appreciate VH1 continuing to bring it back because they could have ended it three or four seasons in, which would have been silly because it was it's one of their best rated shows. But they could have. And then people would have been left with that. Now they're getting to see the evolution. So I love it. Because now you like the peacemaker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Until you cross me. Right, until, you cross me, then I'm going back. Is, then it's a whole other yeah. story. Yeah. So Because um, before, you know, you've, you've had some epic battles on that show mm. for sure. Mm. Um, now getting to season eight, there was um, a really big controversy there uh, between Evelyn um, and OG. Mm-hmm. Um, the colorism issue came up. And that was a big part of, of the reunion. Um, OG calling Evelyn a racist bigot. And in general, her her feelings seem to be that because she's dark-skinned. And uh, look, you if anybody watches Basketball Wise, they know everybody gets into it with each other at some point. It, it just yeah. It's just what it is. So, But she felt like she was treated differently, particularly since at the reunion, she had to, she was in a, put in a separate location, uh, what was called for safety reasons, because she is, because uh, she felt like because she's dark-skinned. And so her aggression was viewed a lot differently um what did you think about her concerns and did you find any of her accusations to be valid um I felt like being friends with OG on the show being friends with all the women really but getting close to OG this last season and CC and us spending time in Puerto Rico or not Puerto Rico but um Costa Rica together I got to know her and and you know I felt like getting to the reunion, that was something I had never seen before where they were going to do a split stage they did come to me and tell me 
at the actual reunion, could you come over and talk to OG because we're going to do it separately. Some of the ladies have concern about doing the reunion together. They have safety concerns. So would you come? So I and Mark Hill went over and Cece and tried to convince OG to go on the separate stage. And I said, I'll go with you because they were like, hey, Jackie, it's up to you. If you want to go over there or there, I said, it doesn't matter to me. I just think all of us need to have a voice and speak our, our peace or, or make our peace or whatever we're going to do. And OG's um, decision was to not do it at that time when I was in the room with her and you know I just left it to her because I didn't want to force her to do it or not I said if you want to go separate I'll go with you I don't have to sit on the main stage but if I do sit on that main stage I'm gonna sit where I want to sit so that was that whole controversial thing with that because I've been here eight years and I built Basketball Wives LA that version of it and there's just a level of respect I'm going to get or I'm not going to be a part of it it's just that easy so with her I felt like she made her stance whatever that is I don't know I don't really have an opinion on um, whether or not it was colorism coming from Evelyn, because I feel like we've all said and done things on the show as far as attacking another person. We've, you know, I try not to attack the character, but sometimes it comes out that way. If you do it to me, I'm going to flip it back on you. Well, I just feel like it was a situation where they, they said safety, the women won't do it. At the end of the day, you have a choice. You can say, I'm going home or I'm staying. So I think she handled it well, you know, to sit there on the stage after all. It was a lot worse than what was shown, you know, the words that was transferring back and forth. But you only compare it down to an hour-long reunion. So they put what they felt, you know, they wanted to share with the world. So, I mean... I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting to see if everybody comes back for season nine and how it all plans out. Well, for a, a second there, it seemed there was at least some speculation. You weren't coming back for mm -hmm. season nine. Was that um, because you had a big um, or you had a, a beef or a falling out? And I don't know where things stand with you in Malaysia um, that you weren't coming back. Like, were you really close to not coming back? Um, I'll say that the day that I accidentally put that on Snapchat and I learned my lesson, I was trying to make a video in case I didn't come back so that I could give it to the fans and it accidentally posted. I thought I was just saving it. So it posted it. I go, I shoot a scene with Shawnee and we talk and all of a sudden I get in the car and the phone starts ringing. Everybody's like, oh my God, if you leave, I'm not watching the show. You are the show. I'm like, what are they talking about? And they're like, um, it's on the blogs. And I go to Shade Room, I go to all these and I'm like, oh, it posted. So I go to my Snapchat and I delete it immediately because that wasn't what I wanted to put late. out there. It was too late. <laughs> Somebody saw it. They, I right. was like, what? And so my whole thing was, it's to the point because I've always looked out for these girls on the show. I brought a lot of women to Basketball Wives. Malaysia's been one of the ones that I've treated like a little sister. So to be put in the middle of some stuff that I had nothing to do with was a little bit too much for me. And then for me to have to attack her aunt, well not attack, but defend myself against her aunt and hurt her that way because they didn't show it. That's the person that got into the physical violence was right. me having to put hands on her right. and to knock this woman to the ground and stomp her out. And then for it to be a story made up saying, oh, Jackie got a concussion and she's at the hospital. It was like, okay, no, uh, enough is enough. Now it's getting to the point where people's serious lives are obviously, you know, in danger if that's what y'all going to do. But it ended up working out and I moved on. So I would say that was the only time I've ever thought about maybe, you know, rethinking continuing but it's my baby and you know I want to make sure that as long as Basketball Wives LA is on my fingerprint and blueprint is on it because that's what I've built but at the end of the day it's not something that I will continue to do if it's not done correctly and fairly. Where do things stand with you in Malaysia right now? Oh we don't talk. 
<laughs> oh, no. That's not your girl? Um, no, no. <laughs> okay. I will always, and I told her on the show, I think they showed it in Costa Rica, I'll always have love for her. We've been together, working together, and friends for eight years, And but there's only so much you can take, and I've taken a lot of hits for that show, Jamel. I've let people lie on me. They took that whole narrative, oh, she's crazy, and this and that. I took the high road. That's one thing I regret. And I'm a, Taking I'm a, the high road? Or? Taking the high road really? for not speaking up when they were saying these things, because it's not cool. It's not fair. But I felt like, well, the audience sees and everyone knows I'm not crazy, but I'm so tired of meeting people. I go in big, giant meetings and they go, oh, my God, you're nothing like that. Or they'll say, we talked to several people before this and they all asked us, is she really like that? You know, we need to know. So it's kind of like that. That stigma is going to follow me for a very long time now. So it's up to me to I'm not going to say change the narrative, but let people get to know me. And I'm never going to let anybody Put their narrative on me again. That I learned that from the show. So back for season nine. I'm back for season oh, nine okay. at this point. At this, okay, <laughs> this as far as you know, you coming yeah. back for season nine. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. um, well, as you just said, basketball wives is like your baby, but you are. Um, you have another child that you've developed in in the Jackie Christie project. So we're going to talk about that and your acting and some other uh, things you're involved with. Just going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more with Jackie Christie. Um, it's interesting that you said that before the break about how people look at that show and then, they, of course, they attach narratives and a perception to you. I'm sure you've heard this criticism a, a, a lot about the show, not about you you in particular, but just the show itself, that some people look at this Basketball Wives as a bad look for black women. So what do you say to people who kind of look at the show that way? Because it does, it plays up the drama. You know, you see people squaring off all the time. Um <laughs> What do you think about that criticism? Um, I think that part I don't really agree with. And the only reason I say that is because it's no different than any other reality show out there. You will see some different people get into it. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of fun to it, too. There's a lot of sisterhood. There's a lot of new friendships built. There's a lot of things that we share. They want to see what it's like to be in the life of a basketball wife or significant other or girlfriend or groupie or whatever they want to see. So we're showing you that. Some of it could be um, viewed as being a bad look, but I don't know why, because we're just doing us and we're going to argue just like when I'm acting in TV shows and they have a role where I'm being the aggressor, or I'm being angry or I get in an argument with someone that's no different, really. So and hopefully after an argument, people can bring it back to a good place. I always if I'm wrong, I'm going to apologize. I never put my hands on anybody. But if you touch me, well, then it's fair game for me to at least restrain you or get you off of me. That's one thing I'm going to do. Oh, you done knuckled up. But I've never. Yeah, but see, if you notice, how, I've never I've only connected with one young lady and they never showed it on TV, which I'm so thankful for. And I love that girl to this day. And that's Brooke Bailey. And me and her um, are good friends now. And I cried harder than she did because I didn't want to hit the woman. I had told her, you don't want this problem. And she was, you don't want it with me. I'm like, no, we don't want it with each other. I tried to talk my way out of it like everyone said, you're supposed to do, Jackie. I said, okay, I'm going to get my purse and I'm going to leave. I walked over to get my purse. She walked up behind me. I felt threatened. So if you feel that way, then you're going to respond. And to this day, I choose not to say what really happened, but it's put out in the media. Oh, Jackie, she beat her up and this and that. The girl beat I don't care what people think. We know what happened. And the sad thing is it shouldn't have never happened. I should never have had to hit her. But at the end of the day, 
you know, I learned from that, and now I don't do it. <laughs> now you don't do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, uh, aside from the television part, as somebody you know who um, was on the scene, like in, in in away from the cameras, the basketball wise, from your experience, mm-hmm. like how do they actually like get along? Not the, not your castmates, mm-hmm. but when Doug was playing in the NBA, oh, yeah. I mean, is there like a sisterhood there? Like what's, what are, what are those dynamics like? Yeah, they actually, we did get along. I have so many different friendships from all the teams that we were on, but I will say what's strange is, and this is honest to God, I've never talked about this on an interview. I was in the bathroom in Sacramento one time and these women, these three women walked up in the bathroom and they said, um, we've been waiting to talk to you. So they closed the door and blocked the door off. So I couldn't walk out. Now I'm sitting here putting on my lip stick it up thinking they have no idea and I done had a drink I will tear this bathroom down I'm not the one right we just want to say who do you think you are we don't appreciate the fact that because it was right after the New York Times um, article that said the great white hope or something they called Doug I don't know what it was but they were like you traveling with the team you think you better than everybody else blah 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 and I just remember saying I'm gonna say one thing to you guys first and foremost I'm Jackie in case you didn't know we know who you are and bitch isn't it I said I will hurt you I'm the wrong one. I said, secondly, my husband could take me anywhere he wants. I'm not trying to act like I'm better than any other wife. I wish we could all go. We could ponderosa on the road, whatever y'all want to do. But corner me up in the bathroom is not the thing to do. So we had a conversation and I basically let them know. And just let's just say they was fixing my hair by the time we left out of there. They opened the door gladly. We went and had a drink and we're cool to this day. But they did feel the need to say something. That was the only time I've ever had an issue with other wives. Right. You know, oh no, there was one more where the um, league FBI people or whoever they are for the NBA, they wouldn't allow us in the wives' lounge. They came and said, tonight it's closed off to you guys because we heard about the impending fight. But it wasn't going to be a fight. It was, <laughs> I have to tell you real quick, Jamel. Okay, so there was a wife and she chose with some other wives to go to the NFL games, you know, that big, I don't even know what it's called. What, the, the Super Bowl? The Super Bowl. Okay. I said to them, to this girl, why are you guys going to the Super Bowl when our husbands is playing in, you know, basketball? I'm going to North Carolina and I'm going to be there. I wasn't trying to be rude, but they she went back and told the other girls, Jackie was talking mess and said that we shouldn't be going to the Super Bowl. We should be going to the game with her. So I go to the game in North Carolina. We get back to Toronto. We had been friends, but it was more of a friend of me thing. I could tell she kind of had some issue with me. Well, she had been talking so much mess, we got into an argument. So when we're leaving out the tunnel one night, I'm in the car with Doug. My kids stayed home with my mom across the street. They were in their car. And I said, Doug, stop the car for a second because she was doing all this through her window. And I said, he said, well, why is she doing that? I said, I don't know. Stop the car. So he stopped the car. I jump out. I say, you got something you want to say? We arguing back and forth. And then it's, you know, bitch, oh, da-da-da. Doug is sitting there in shock because he's never seen his wife act this way. The other player, you know, who I laugh about right now, he's still around. He was laughing. He's telling his wife to calm down. So we go on to our apartment. They live across the water from us right there. We could see their apartment from ours. So we still yelling on our balconies back and forth at each other. (laughs) And then Doug said, this is going to have to stop. So he goes to practice the next day. Him and the guy get into it. And Doug is like, look, man, the one thing that I will fuck somebody up is, is over my family. You can say what you want to me and about me, but you going to stay out of that. We're going to stay out of that. Whatever they got going on, I hope they fix it. But don't talk to me about my wife. That night I called her. We made up. We were friends. So the rest is history. <laughs> and then we, we told the league, we're not going to fight. We, we just want to go back in the lounge. And they let us back in. Um, so 
from what you know, from everything that you know, you saw being in that life, what percentage of married NBA players would you say are actually faithful? Um, wow, I would have to say all the married guys that I was around, we was around a lot of them. I never seen any extramarital affairs and things like that. I remember we were about to write our book, No Ordinary Love, and the book people that came to us, the agents came to us and said, we want to take it to Simon and Schuster and some other places. We think you guys have an amazing story, blah, blah. When they decided to, it was going to be a bidding war, all the book companies said, we need to know how many people is unfaithful. We need to know the stories. We want the juice. Mm-hmm. Because to be honest with you, Jackie, although you and Doug is fabulous and we love you guys, African-Americans don't read. They're not they going to read. They said that? They said this to us. I still have the emails to this day. Oh, my I couldn't goodness. believe it. I said, first of all, I'm a big reader. I have a whole library. And anywhere we live, you're going to find a library in our home. So they said, in order to make this book sell and for us to give you guys an advance, we didn't care about an advance or anything. We were like, we was the one approached with this. They said, you would have to tell the juice. And I said, first of all, even if I did see it, I would not expose players and their private business. That ain't my business. I'm there with Doug. I'm there to support Doug. Secondly, the whole story of, oh, my God, it's a groupie in every city. Now, I went to every city that there is in the league. Every time we check in a hotel, it might be 12 o'clock at night. It might be 9 o'clock in the evening. It might be 2 in the day. It just depends on what time the flight, the flight lands and we arrive. I've probably seen over the years 10 women at these hotels, spread out in different cities, dressed provocatively, and you could tell that they were, they knew the team was coming and they want to talk, but they didn't come up and say anything. And they didn't know who I was. I would be in, you know, sweats and I'd walk with the media. I wouldn't walk with Doug. He would be on, you know, he'd walk with the team and I'd come with the media and then we'd go in. And I didn't see any of that. Now, if the players came back down and dealt with them after we checked in, then that was different. I wouldn't have seen that. Because once I get in the room, I put on my onesie and <laughs> get me some food you orders and get me a man. drink. <laughs> <laughs> that onesie, girl. And that'd be it. Then I, I, I graduated to the ones with the zip-out booty, you know, oh so then God. the booty can unzip. <laughs> No. The easy access onesie, Jackie, is that what you're saying? There you go. So, well, yeah, I would say about 70%. No, I would say about 100% is faithful. Now, some may have affairs, but that's in any Now, Jackie, you know that's not true. You know, See, the thing I, is, whenever, and I've talked to a lot of married guys that play, and I say, do you have the urge to fool around? Do you have the, and all of them say the same thing. They go, if I wanted to fool around on my wife, I just wouldn't be married. And, and you that's know they just thing. telling you this. You think so? You think you, they yeah, fool around? Yeah, you got that respect. You know, mm. um, you Thank a G you, in the G. game, right? Thank like, you. they, they definitely you. not going to tell yeah, you. Right? And if they told me, I would say, now, you know what? And I would read them. And right. I would tell them, I'm not trying to get in your business, but why stay married to that woman? Why don't you just, you could be free. You got everything you need in life. You don't need to do that. Well, I mean, some of it is not, I don't think it's necessarily like, it's not as simple as they don't love their wives, right? right? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the volume of what's thrown at them. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just speaking from the person who has been a reporter and That's right. um, having covered the NBA for like several years, based off of what I saw, I was just like the only one I could think of. I, remember, I just joked about this with a friend of mine. Yeah, I think Grant Hill. That's probably what yeah. I could think about. And Doug, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it just, I, 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 didn't, I, I don't want to make it seem like 
you know, um, guys are just like, you know, being mm-hmm. all outlandish. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, it's like, yeah, you go on the road, you spend that much time on the road. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily the hotel. It's yeah. like a lot of dudes go out. Oh. It's like when they go to clubs or they go to different places. Mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, y'all ain't trying to get a game away, uh, <laughs> NBA guys, if you're listening. But the, we know what it is. Right? Yeah. And I know a, a guy is really bad if it gets back to the reporter circles. That's oh, wow. when I'm like, oh, he out there. Because if I hear about it, then I know. They trifling so oh. you know it's just um i just i always said to uh other women who have asked me um you know i'm really shocked that you're not with a professional athlete and i'm like my self-esteem ain't high enough <laughs> one and two i'm a, like being a journalist is like i yeah. never wanted it's already that per- uh, perception that yeah. if you're a, a woman in sports journalism you just there to until you somebody's missus that's right? exactly right. And so um, I def- that was definitely never something I wanted to attach to me um, at all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the reality is that, like, there's, um, you know, a lot of young guys and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> and young couples. And, you know, you, you wind up seeing some things or you're just yeah. like, <laughs> I'm acting like I didn't even see that. I'm not here. <laughs> That's on y'all. <laughs> None of my no, business. You, you know, get, so. I would say the women, at least when we was around and even now when I talk to a lot of the wives, the highest um, regard of respect. Not only that, people know. Jamil is not one to pull punches. She's not here to play games. You can tell you. I think you. we can see, and it's funny because a lot of the wives would be like, oh, third row, sixth seat, you know, red shirt. Who the fuck is that? They're on their phones. Like, oh, did you see who just walked in? Mm-hmm, look, okay, yeah, she's new. I heard. Let me call my girl from this team. And they would actually call their uh, another wife or girlfriend from another team and say, she's here. Here's a picture of her. And they would say, oh, yeah, she was in Chicago last week. When I, You see what I mean? So that, the, and it's reporters too. Yeah. But they've always spoke highly and still continue to speak highly of you. Oh, so well, thank I you. know what you're saying. But no, the players, I... I didn't know they go out. So they go out and <laughs> uh, do stuff, huh? Yeah, they, well, they, see, my husband's commentating now. I'm going to have to find out because he's been going out. But uh, see, well, no. But, it helps that, but see, if Doug he doesn't really drink. Yeah, yeah, like if he didn't really drink, especially yeah. if he wasn't really, if he wasn't drinking when he was a, a player, oh, no. then probably then probably not. But yes, I mean, they they go out. It's Look, it's three stops you got to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Toronto, Atlanta, Toronto. and Miami. Girl, and that's funny you say that because Those listen, three stops. <laughs> I went to every Miami one, <laughs> every Atlanta one, and every, you know, Toronto got the big rap though. They like to woo them women in Toronto or yeah, something else. Yes, you get a, it's an international variety there. It's a beautiful. great city. I mean, in general, in Atlanta, I think Atlanta is like the baby mama capital oh, of the yeah, world. There it I is. mean, it's just like, <laughs> Every, it seems like every professional athlete got a baby mama in Atlanta. I'm like, damn. I mean, did none of y'all wear yeah, a condom in this city? Right. Like, what happened? Yeah, I'm sure um, there are a lot of, uh, you know, crazy stories yeah. that I'm sure that you still have. But, you know, get, uh, getting back to you, um, as I, I said again before the break, that you started now the Jackie Christie Project, your own podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really... You know, <laughs> you really, uh, as I said, get to the truth and the heart of things. Because um, I saw the one you did with Tammy. Yeah. <laughs> I love you ask everybody yeah. when they lost their virginity. Right. Which is, which is 
like, that's that's your question. <laughs> yes, I want to know. Yeah. So, what I made you know. decide to do your own podcast? You know what? I've been I've done some media um, for a long time, in and out. We've done a radio show for four years. Doug and I on Blog Talk. It was very well um, received, and it um, it was successful. So we stopped doing it. And I thought, you know what? I love talking to people. I love um, letting people share their story, giving them a platform. And podcast is just it's hot. And it's something um, that you can stir in any direction you want. So mine, hopefully, will go into a television show eventually. But for now, I just love conversating. Yeah, because you see yourself having like a late night show or a regular talk show. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I've been approached four or five different times, but I want to kind of control the narrative. I was told, oh, you should do one about this, about how to stay married for 25 years or 30 years. And I thought, OK, that's great. But I really want to go in to the detail of other people and expose what they have going on and things about them. Is I'm so into um, travel and travel shows and all that. So my podcast is actually a part of a bigger thing. The Jackie Christie Project is a variety show. The podcast is the main hub. And then there's like little legs that go out from there. Well, um, well, one of the other, your other interests is acting. I mm -hmm. mean, you've, you've put together um, a robust acting resume. Yeah. Um, how did you get into acting? Yeah, I think um, from being young and going to camp and being in plays and stage plays, I just loved it. And then, you know, reality TV is a form of acting. You're not acting, but you're in front of a camera. And it's pretty much when the camera comes on, you're on and then you turn off and then studying it. Doug used to drive me around and people laugh because they're like, how do you get an NBA player to do this? But he would sit for four or five hours for me to go to my classes, Janet, you know, Holstrom, all of them. And I would go in there and, you know, do all my take all my lessons and stuff in his office season so like he would play for whatever team he was on the summer he would just sit in the car with our baby and they would play games and I'd be in there doing that and it's just something I love I've always loved the theater television and film mm. is there um sort of a, a goal that you have like is there a, a role or a type of movie that you want to be in I want to win an Oscar I definitely have that dream and I want to be in a movie I love um Queen and Slam I love those kind of movies I love uh the ones that Halle Berry's in, all of the, anything really, Brad Pitt, um, Ben Affleck, all of those people are like huge aspirations to work with, those kind of things. And I'm not going to stop till I get it. Even if I have to produce it myself, I will be in one of those kind of movies, Jamel. Coming from the reality TV show world, has, has that made it difficult in terms of you pursuing a career as an actor? I think it made it difficult a little bit because some people have the stigma um, on us that, oh, if she's reality TV, you know, she's got this and that. But it's also opened a lot of doors for me as well because on Basketball Wives, which I, you know, again, thank VH1 for, they've showcased me doing plays. They've showcased the fact that I'm an actress. Same with Tammy. They've shown us in our acting classes with Troy Rowland, all of that kind of stuff. So it's a good thing. And it's all about what you make it. So if you say no to me, I'll turn it into a yes, even if that yes isn't coming from you. <laughs> so, well, and whenever you wanted to pursue other things, though, even I guess before reality TV came along, did you have did you find yourself having to overcome the hurdle mm -hmm. of being known as Doug Christie's wife? I most certainly did. And a lot of times it wasn't just Doug's Christie's wife. It was Doug Christie's crazy wife. So I had a double hurdle, but it was OK, because as soon as you get me in that room, you're going to see there ain't no craziness to it. And when I say crazy, meaning and I, I tell people all the time, don't even say that because there is people with mental Ill illness and issues and it's wrong to exploit them and that. But. When they meet me, then they're like, oh, my God, no, she's not like that. So I had to overcome that. And then just showing people, you know, and I say time tells everything. Um, 
they questioned whether we would stay married. Oh, my God, how are they going to make it? And here we are 25 years in. We've gotten married 24 times. This will be 25. And we're going to do it to the day we leave this earth. Mm. He's my best friend. Mm. Now, one of the things, though, that did I, I thought was a very kind of breakthrough moment that came through um, during your time on Basketball Wives is when you were discussing like, some of the issues you felt like you had in therapy. Mm -hmm. um, did you continue the therapy after that? And, and how did you think that helped you? Definitely. Um, being in the foster home for the years that I was in the foster home, I think it, it also showed people that, yeah, we might be basketball wise, we might live this luxury life, so called, so to speak, that you guys feel. We also have went through trials and tribulations, ups and downs. I want people to see the whole Jackie Christie. It, that's why I signed up for the show. It's supposed to be a tra you know transparent, open book type of situation. So it's helped me in a lot of ways by talking about it. I've had so many women, abundances of women, just reaching out saying, "Oh my God, you change, you know, you inspire me, or you changed my life, or you made me be able to go on and accept that I went through something similar." And you know, I try to counsel people as much as I can. I'm really, really busy a lot with different things, but I do email them back or whatever and give them any kind of advice or suggestions. So it's been a good thing for me, and I think the therapy. I continue with it just because overall it's helping me to, you know, deal with things that you might suppress and don't even know you suppressed it. And like she said, Jackie, you're trying to save the world. You're trying to help all these people. I had a big thing with, I don't want nobody mad at me. If you're mad at me, I'm going to find a way to reach you and say, well, listen, can we talk about it? Because I just have always been that way. And she said, you're not the fixer. You're not God. You have to let people feel how they're going to feel. And you don't uh, take that on, that energy on. And so I'm dealing with that now. I'm learning how to say no and not feel I need to explain myself or yes and not feel I need to explain myself. So it's been help for me. Yeah. Did how you uh, grow up, did that, did you find that having some impact in, in, in your marriage? Like mm -hmm. there were scars you were left with that you felt like showed up there. And if, if so, what were they? Yeah, I would have to say I felt like um, being abandoned or, you know, going through a situation where even in foster care, that family loved me. But I went through a receiving home first. Before you get placed in a foster home, you have to go through the receiving home where you stay with the, a house that there's probably 10 other kids waiting to get placed. And, you know, I wasn't familiar with that situation. So you get made fun of. I was the only black girl in there and they would wash the, my hair with mayonnaise and stuff like that. And I, you know, I would go to school smelling like mayonnaise, but they, and then the school was all white. Why did they think mayonnaise would work? I, that's what I, I, I that's did. That's so strange. They like, said what that's they? what they, they, they felt that that's what they put in the, you know, so I would have it in my, you know, and smell like that. Go to school, they would make fun of me and stuff. And, you know, it was an all white school. And I'm thinking, you know, what in the world? And then the little kids would be like, no one's going to pick you. No one's going to, and then I got placed. But it's funny because the caseworker that took me to go to my first meeting to get into the foster home that those people are my family to this day. But she took me to JCPenney's because she said, your clothes are so old and stuff. We need to get you some new stuff. So she took me to buy new stuff. And then she put a code on me and said, go walk outside and I'll meet you. I'm going to get the car and come pick you up. I, don't, I think I was eight or nine or seven. But I realized, but you didn't pay for the code. So I talked about that on the show as well. I don't know if they put that on there. but And so that, I think it was just all that stuff that just made me feel like people aren't right and they do mean things or they do bad things. So she could, I don't know if she was keeping the money for that or whatever because she had to write out a voucher or something. She took me to the home. I As soon as I met the family, they fell in love with me. They said, when do you want to come here? I said, now, today. 
And the caseworker drove me back, got my stuff, and I was actually placed that day. And that was unheard of. So I think getting married to Doug and having been married three times prior to my husband, a lot of people don't know that. I was married three other times. I've been proposed to 11 times in my life. 11 11, times? 11. (laughs) Okay. Jamil. It's like a really easy joke I can put right now, but I'm not going to make it. no, you can make no, it because I'm not make it. people are like, "How in the hell?" But I don't know what it is. Men just want to marry you sunshine. me. That's right. all I gotta say. Eleven times, eleven, okay. eleven, and I got married to uh, my first husband was white. His name was George. I got married to another man named Darren, and I got married to Takari's father, which is my older daughter Takari. Her her dad's name was Tyrone. Doug was my fourth husband and the love of my life. I learned by the fourth time. You learned fourth time's a charm. Because I was one of the people that, if, oh, it ain't working. Oh, you arguing? Oh, wait, did you raise your voice to me? Divorce. You know, I just, right. was. I had it in my mind that I want a white picket fence. Not a white picket fence, but a happy home. I don't want any, and they were nice guys, but some of them had personal issues. Like, you know, either they were drinking or it was something that it just wasn't what I you know, bought into. I said, I'm not doing that. And my mom had to tell me one day, she goes, Jackie, you cannot. I know these people love you and this and that. You're a Leo, you're my baby and everything, but you can't keep just walking away from things. You got to stay and fight. I didn't have that um, thing back then, you know, that chip. And now I have it, you know. So prior to Doug, what's the longest marriage you had? How long did it last? Uh, Five and a half years. So five and a half for the first one. Two for the second one, and then I think four and a half for the other one. So long times. Uh, I was getting married very early, but I was not trying to do what my friends were doing. I used, you know, I kind of dated white guys and stuff because I just felt like my brothers, you know, my three brothers was kind of not mean to their girlfriends, but I seen the way they talked to them, and I was like, oh no, I'll never accept that. I just had it very young. I was watching Benny Hill and. Johnny Harson and all them shows. And I just had this idea of that I'm going to find this husband and we're going to have a dog and it's going to be this kind of life. And I thought I could find it elsewhere. Right. So. So because it seems like your picture of what you thought was meant success or whatever was a yes. white dude. Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. And they were nice. And right. they, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I laugh to this day. And Doug's like, oh, so I'm going to mix everything, huh? And I'm like, no. You're just a guy that I love. But no, he he really is. And people told me, they were warning me. They were like, Jackie, he's an athlete. Don't do it. You've never dated an athlete. They all fool around, blah, blah. I'm telling you, you're going for disaster. And I was scared at first, but I was like, I happen, I love him. I'm going to. And he turned out to be the best husband ever. He's never fooled around. He, and he told me when he proposed, he cried. And he said, I've always knew where I wanted to be with you. I just didn't know how to get here. So the day he finally had an epiphany in the driveway, and I laugh when he tells the story, he, you know, we had seen an older couple sitting on a bench. And he was like, you think we could be like that? Because he was a tough guy dating him up until then. He would, you know, I would be like, my dad, I ain't never getting married. And then that day he just decided, and he said, would you want to marry me? And I'm like... Are you asking me to marry you? Yes, I want to marry you. And it was such a beautiful day. And we called his agent and he was like, you can't marry her. What are you talking about? You're about to go to the league. He was still in college. And he was like, well, I don't care. I'm going to marry her. So set it, it is up. what it is. Right. Get it, do what you got to do. So it was it was amazing. Yeah. Now, uh, you mentioned your daughter, uh, Takari. I know you mm-hmm. guys have had like kind of a rocky relationship. Where do things stand with you guys right now? 
You know, it's actually in a good place. It's um, a lot of things here is going to unfold in the future, but I don't do things with my daughter, Jamil, for the public and for people. I took that high road and didn't say much about that. That's something I won't do going forward. And I've told her that if you choose to go out in the public and make these stories up and do these things, I'm going to have to address them. I cannot continue to sit back and be quiet and allow that narrative to be put out there. You know, I'm a great mom. I've never done these things. That's foolish. You are my firstborn. I almost died to have you. There was a choice. They told my mother, we can either save Jackie or Takari. They're not going to both make it because she has placenta pervaria, where her placenta is now coming loose from her uterus. So she, we're going to have to do emergency cesarean. She's already hemorrhaging. Which do we do? My mother said, as much as I would love my grandchild, you saved my daughter. We both made it, luckily. Why would I not? Why would you do this to the person that I've never spanked my children? I've never done these things. And I just felt like it was foolish for me to go out into the public and go, no, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. It's like, if you know me, if you've been around us, if you followed me and Doug's story, you would know. First of all, she was around the NBA the whole time. They would never go for abuse and all these stupid things, whatever she was saying. I don't think it was physical abuse, but whatever these things was that she was saying. So I felt like it's an attack on a person that you guys couldn't find anything wrong with me. So you decide to go and get my daughter, who you know has bipolarism, and plant in her head to do these things. It was extortion is what it boiled down to be. And now... I'm so glad that she finally got those people out of her life. She's in a good place and our relationship flourishes as it always has. Even through all that, I still would tell everyone I love my kid. Like I know who she is and I know who I am. So was it was it hard to for you guys relationship to repair after the tell all um, book? Mm-mm. It wasn't because yeah, okay. I, I thought it was and it's, people were like even the show because the show knows they've been around for eight years of our life. We laughed. I mean, it wasn't like I'm making light of it or a joke, but come on now. And if you read the book, that's why on this season I told Phoebe, read them both. She got two. She probably going to make three or four more. If you're going to support my daughter and put some money in her pocket, that means less money I got to put in her pocket. Go ahead and do it. Now, shoot. I don't know because, I mean, the book is is Takari and the people that was trying to extort. It's not really her. So. Mm. Before I uh, let you go, uh, Jackie, I could keep talking to you, but I eventually <laughs> do have to let you go. Yeah. It's a little game I like to play with my guests. Okay. All right? It's it. called This or That. Okay. You get two choices. Mm-mm. Not four, not six. Mm-hmm. You got to pick one. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> two choices. Well, two. two choices. That's the game. Um, all right. So we'll start. Um, dramas or romantic comedies? Romantic comedies. Mm. What's your favorite romantic comedy? Just curious. Ooh, I would have to say... Just say the first thing that comes to mind. I always say that. like, the oh, first thing that comes to mind? Or first movie, rather, that comes to mind. Um, Love Jones. Love Jones. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, mac and cheese or greens? Greens. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jackie Christie at 40 or Jackie Christie at 50? Jackie Christie at 40. At 40? Why, why would you pick Jackie Christie at 40? That's when I got into my real, I think, sexuality and stuff like they that. They say I it think, starts for women at 40. Yes. Yeah. That's when I think I just really just, yeah, got into it. And yeah, I appreciate it a lot different. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Living single or girlfriends? Girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, I saw you pause. You I had know. to think. <laughs> uh, champagne or wine? Wine. Okay. Now, finally, you said, you sort of, you alluded to this and said this earlier. All right. The choice is Jackie gets an Oscar mm-hmm. or Doug wins that title in Sacramento. 
Ooh, that's a tough one, Doug. Wins that title in Sacramento. You are such a good wife. <laughs> Thank you. You, you are know. such a good Ooh, wife. Doug look at wins you. that title. Okay. Yeah. Dude, look at you putting <laughs> his knees above yours. Oh, yeah. oh that's oh, just yeah. super sweet. Always. Yeah. And as uh, you know, as as you know, I, I just got married. You guys been in it for twenty five. So um, before I really let you go, what's the what's the best piece of advice you got for me? I would say always keep the communication open. You can't read minds. He can't read minds. When you got communication, you got everything. Because anything you're lacking or you don't have in your relationship, he's going to tell you about it and vice versa. It's that communication that breaks down that I think ruins a lot of great amazing beautiful marriages and bonds so if you got that you got it all and that means sometimes telling people the tough stuff right there like, it is that's the hardest part I that's think. the hardest part and don't ever be a yes man i tell Doug that he tells me that we don't do that if i don't like them shoes you got on i'm gonna tell you i don't like them shoes i'm not gonna sit there oh yeah baby they look good that's not because you help that person be their best self at all times Ooh, you such a leo so is my husband he's a leo too <laughs> oh yeah oh you he gonna be loyal and he gonna be there yeah no he i i have no doubt about that whatsoever and he definitely is the type that if is uh you you uh kept it the clothes and if i'm wearing something wrong he will for sure okay. tell me and has no problem <laughs> whatsoever voicing uh his opinion but um Jackie, continue success. I mean, Thank not you. just with Basketball Wives. I think that's already evident what you mean to that show. But with the Jackie Christie Project, your acting, all the other things that you have going on, I, I can't wait to see how the project evolves over the next couple of years. So continue success. And thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Jackie's getting out of here, but y'all know what's coming next. Final segment, Fuck It, I'm Bothered. So I'm vexed, terribly vexed about the reaction to Meghan Markle and Prince Harry announcing, well, basically, fuck this whole royal shit. Uh, the two said they are resigning from their full royal duties and moving to Canada. Considering how many Americans said they were moving to Canada, especially after Donald Trump was elected. Well, let's just say nobody in these United States can throw any rocks from our currently fucked up house. By the way, shout out to whoever termed Harry and Meghan's departure as Megxit. That shit was kind of clever. Pretty brilliant. Um, but fuck it, I'm bothered by the many people, a whole lot of Brits in particular, who are in their feelings because these two have decided to, oh, I don't know, live their fucking lives, hopefully in more peace than what they found in the UK. Because that's what this is about. If you thought we, as in people on this planet, had advanced so much when it came to race relations that it was going to be smooth sailing for a black woman to marry a prince, then you must have also believed Donald Trump tells the truth. The Duke and Duchess have been harassed, name called, but a key reason why they've decided to distance themselves is because of good old fashioned racism. Even though a British columnist said Meghan Markle had, quote, exotic DNA, whatever the hell that means. And a Daily Mail headline said Meghan is straight out of Compton, which she isn't although she is from Los Angeles, even though that same Daily Mail newspaper ran photos of Megan caressing her baby bump when she was pregnant with little Archie with a headline that read, why can't Megan keep her hands off her baby bump? That same publication months earlier pointed out that Kate Middleton, Prince William's wife, was tenderly cradling her baby bump. 
There are just some people that just won't believe fat meat is greasy. Starting with Prince Harry's biographer, Penny Juner, who thankfully got checked on CBS when she tried to say the treatment of Meghan Markle wasn't racist. I don't believe race is a factor. I'm sorry. I, I, I really don't. Say Look more at on the how. way. Yeah. Look at the way. I mean, there, of course, there are some idiots around some, and there are some racists around. You know, we all know that. But but look at the reception that Meghan had when she arrived here. We took her to our hearts. The British were thrilled about her marrying into the royal family and they were thrilled because she was mixed race. That was one real plus. Have, have you that, not heard that? Have you did you check in with any black Britons before you made that determination? I hear what you're saying, and I, and I know that, that there are some people, you know, that there are many people in this country who, who are black or who are of color who feel that they are in a racist society. Equally, there are other people who are also of color who do not feel they're in a racist society. It, it depends upon your personal experience. Well, Penny, I don't black, think you have to have I personal can't... experience to have your baby portrayed as a chimp. Well, 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 that's not surprising. A white woman who is culturally clueless didn't bother to consider the experiences and perspective of people who are actually black to know what it's like to be black. That's why I wasn't surprised when Penny ended her interview this way. Well, it certainly seems to have taken a turn. It'll be interesting to see how this how this uh, big meeting turns out today. We're all very hopeful. It's a win win. But I I really hope we don't lose them. Yes, I do, too. The woman still calling black people colored in 2020 probably isn't qualified to speak to whether Meghan Markle is being subjected to racist treatment. But Penny's attitude and her immediate dismissal of racism is not unlike how a lot of people in this country view race. Yes, I'm talking about you white people. The Center for Talent Innovation, which is a think tank, published a study not too long ago looking at workplace diversity. And surprise, surprise, 65 percent of black professionals say that black employees have to work harder in order to advance. Only 16 percent of their white colleagues actually agreed with that statement. In other words, a lot of white people have no idea the kind of obstacles, difficulties that people of color face. But they are more than happy to believe it doesn't actually exist and then behave as if they are the expert on said racist treatment. So, Megan and Harry, I wish you well to hell with what everybody else thinks. Stay unbothered. Mel Hill is Unbothered is produced by Spotify Studios and Unbothered Inc. and recorded and edited by Rich Burner and Cadence 13. Ashley Van Horn is our head of talent. Evan Dick is our executive producer. And Denise Holly is the program manager. Our theme music is provided by Corey Greenleaf and Ben Darwish. You can find more from me on Twitter and Instagram at Jamel Hill. Hold up. 